Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Thursday Thoughts. I hope this podcast finds you well, and I hope you're all having a great day and a great week. As we're continuing the podcast on Christianity and culture, talking about the Beatitudes and the countercultural kingdom of God that Jesus is talking about, the kingdom of heaven, we, we arrive at the next Beatitude. But before we really dive into our Bible study, I want to start with a question and tell you guys a short story. How many of you have ever done something that deserved harsh consequences? And when I say harsh, I guess I just mean like some firm discipline, maybe from your parents or from someone else in authority. But how many of us have ever done something wrong that deserved consequences? If I asked you all to raise your hand, I know I can't see you, but I know for a fact that everybody's hand would go up. And so with that, I want to tell you guys a story about me. This is going to be a little bit embarrassing for me, but you know, it'll be okay. It's a good, it's a good lesson to show what we're talking about today. So when I was a junior in high school in my pre-AP chemistry class, we were taking a, a test or a quiz or something like that that I did not study for and I should have. And test day comes and, you know, I'm in desperation mode like, oh my goodness, I'm about to, I'm going to make like a 50 on this test because I, I haven't studied as much as I should. You know, I learned a little bit from listening in class, but I don't know a whole lot. <laughs> and so, you know, I start going into panic mode. And so I decide to do a not a good thing. I decide to try and cheat on this test and cheat and kind of like, uh, you know, try to look at other people's answers and try to, you know, cheat and write down some stuff before the test and yada yada. You know, test goes on. I finish the test. We all turn it in. And so we went, we started doing some other kind of assignment. And so Miss Freeman was grading the quizzes. And so bell rings and we're all leaving class. But Miss Freeman stops me before we get out the door and she lets everyone leave. And then she comes up to me before as I'm trying to leave. You know, everyone's out of the room. It's just me and her now. And she says, you know, Joshua, she said, I'm going to ask you something. And she's like, I want you to be honest with me. She's like, did you cheat on this test or quiz or whatever it was? You know, she asked me, did I cheat? And so now here we are. Joshua was left with a choice. You know, I was left with a choice. Do I lie even more and be dishonest even more and try to, you know, blame something else or just say it was a coincidence that, you know, that this happened or, you know, and just lie? Or... Do I do the right thing now after I already did something dumb and confess to my mistake and just deal with the consequences, whatever they are? And so, thankfully, Joshua wasn't completely stupid. You know, I wasn't completely dumb back then, and so I decided to fess up, as they say. I confessed, and I, I told Miss Freeman, I was like, yes, I cheated. You know, I was just, I was, I was worried I was going to fail and do bad, and, you know, I want to be a good student, and I, I want to make good grades, and so I panicked, and... I did something, you know, and I did this, and I'm sorry. You know, I confessed, and I told her the truth, and I was very apologetic. And so now, for, with the person in authority in this situation, you know, being Miss Freeman, the, the teacher, she has the right to at least give me a zero and fail me on this test or quiz. She also has the right to, you know, even flunk me from the class. You know, she has the right to send me to the principal's office and possibly, like, suspend me or, you know, whatever. You know, she has the right, she has the authority to do all these different things and either deal with me extremely harsh or not, you know, and maybe give me, like, lighter consequences, you know, but I deserved consequences, right? 
But Miss Freeman does something completely unexpected that I thought she was going to do. She says, you know, Joshua, she said, I appreciate you being honest, you know, and I appreciate you apologizing. And, you know, because you were honest and you and you confessed in the end, she's like, I'll give you a chance to come in the morning and take the test over again. But you have to come before school and you have to try to, you know, you have to do it on your own and, you know, yada, yada, you know. But she gives me she gives me a chance. And she tells me that I can come in the next day and take the test in the morning or the quiz, whatever it was. And so, you know, I'm absolutely beaming at this point because I'm just like I was expecting, you know, to make it like I wasn't expecting to be like dropped from the class or anything. But I, I was expecting like a zero and I was going to have to explain that one to mom and dad. But she gave me a chance to make up for it. You know, she showed me mercy. She showed me mercy. We're going to define mercy in a little bit, but she showed me mercy instead of dealing with me harshly. And me and me, me and Miss Freeman after that had a really good relationship. I became a little bit better of a student in that class, and I just tried my best. And, you know, I wasn't the best chemistry student because chemistry and, you know, once I got up to, like, calculus, you know, it got a little bit difficult for me. But, you know, I just tried my best and stuff. And so... And she respected that, and she respected that I was honest, you know, and I did something stupid, but she dealt she dealt with me in mercy. And, you know, that's what God does for us. We deserve so much worse than some of the bad things that do happen to us because we're sinners and we're unholy and we messed up and we fell from God's grace. But God is merciful and gracious to us and gives us things that we don't deserve. And he loves us even whenever we don't do what he wants us to do. And so maybe some of you have stories like that. But, you know, this, this is the beatitude we get to in Matthew 5, chapter uh, 7, I believe. Yes. So here we are. We arrive at the next beatitude. Fortunate are the merciful. Fortunate are the merciful, for they shall receive Mercy, or probably in your Bibles it'll say, Blessed are the merciful, for they, for they shall receive mercy. So I think what's important here is to keep in mind that Jesus is addressing, you know, obviously some of his followers and some of the people who came to listen to him, right? And so today when we read this, you know, for those of us who are Christians, we're reading this and we are his followers, right? We are in the kingdom of God. And so the thing is, is that if you're in the kingdom of God, you have already obtained this mercy because you've become a Christian You've been, you've been baptized, you've been washed away of your sins, and you're, you're Christian, you're living in the new life of Christ. And the mercy seat is the starting place, right? And mercy is not just a New Testament concept, right? God has always been merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in his love, right? His mercies are new every morning. In his mercy, he does not treat us as our sins deserve. You know, mercy is at the center of the gospel, you know, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. The kingdom is all about giving and not just receiving, right? So as we have received forgiveness, we need to forgive, right? As we have received grace, we give grace. As we have received mercy, we show mercy. And so, you know, I think what's interesting is that the Roman culture, you know, we're talking about culture, and so back in their day, Rome was the controlling power in the world, and so Rome was influencing everybody, right? And so Roman culture probably 
most likely saw mercy as a sign of weakness. You know, when you think about the Roman Empire, they definitely didn't do mercy very well. You know, they dealt harshly with enemies and anybody who threatened to oppose them. And so the Romans saw, the Roman culture saw mercy as a sign of weakness. You know, only the strong survive. And, you know, maybe this could have been influencing the Jews who were living under Roman rule. And that's why Jesus is making sure to mention this, you know, because you'd think if you read the Bible, you'd see that God is merciful, so you need to try to be like God and be merciful. So Jesus was reminding them of who God is and who they're supposed to be in God, right? God himself, through Jesus, was reminding them, right? God was reminding them who he is. And you know what this reminds me of? You know, how culture influences us. You know, the Roman culture could have been influencing the Jews, you know, and it probably was. The same thing happens today. The world's ways tend to cling to us. And we need to keep reminding ourselves that we are not of this world. We are different. And so what is mercy? Mercy is not giving you the punishment you deserve. That's what mercy is. Mercy is not getting the punishment that you deserve. If anything, you get something better. And, you know, for me, Miss Freeman showed me a lot of mercy. You know, and yes, she was a Christian, and she or she is a Christian, I should say, should say and she goes to church and all that stuff. And so I deserved a zero on that test. I deserved to be ridiculed, to be embarrassed, and to be, you know, disciplined. But Miss Freeman showed me mercy and gave me a chance to, you know, redeem myself and sanctify myself, if you will, with my spiritual words and do better. And so, from that example in my life and some from other and from some others, I've learned that I need to be merciful as well. You know, I got to see it in action in my life, but also reading the Bible and stuff, it helps me realize that I need to be merciful. Obviously, what Jesus says here, fortunate are those, uh, fortunate are the merciful, for they will receive mercy, you know. And so, you have to give to get you got to give mercy to receive mercy. You know, Jesus is saying that here. You know, what's the blessing for if you're merciful? You receive it. And I, Lord knows I need all the mercy I can get, so I need to make sure I'm showing mercy to people. I've been learning a lot about mercy and grace now that I'm a dad with laser and about to be dad times two whenever Josiah is born in July. And so, you know, as a father, I've learned a lot about mercy and grace. And I think about... You know, God is our heavenly Father, and so God looks us uh, looks at us like kids, and so it's kind of a chance for me to kind of, at least in a very minute scale, kind of see how God views us and how He must feel about us with His mercy and His grace and His compassion toward us, like parents do their kids. And so, yeah, we see that mercy is, you know, not getting what you deserve. And, you know, grace is give. So the difference between mercy and grace, mercy is. You know, I did something bad, and I deserve harsh punishment, but I don't get it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm forgiven from it. Grace is just getting something that you do not deserve. Like salvation, we didn't do anything to deserve it or earn it, but God gave it to us. That's grace, right? And so we cannot demand either of them, right? So we have to come to God humbly and in humility to receive that stuff, right? We can only give mercy and grace because we first received mercy and grace, right? And so we have to remember that those of us in the kingdom have received God's mercy through Christ and the gift of his Holy Spirit. Now we're living in the kingdom, right? And we have evidence of that mercy. And so showing mercy is part of our kingdom culture, the kingdom 
of God culture, right? And so we need to make sure that we show mercy. You know, when I look at this world today, you know, we're thinking about culture. Look at culture today. People aren't being very merciful and graceful, are they? And not, or I, said, I should say showing grace. People aren't showing mercy and people aren't showing grace. You know, I, I just I can't help but think about the political field. Uh, I'm not going to get into politics here, but, you know, you look at, you know, Democrats and Republicans, left wing, right wing, you know, blue and red, however you want to call it. You just look at both sides of that in this political field. You know, people are not graceful. People are not showing grace to each other. People are not showing mercy to each other. And people are so mean to one another and aggressive and angry at each other just because someone thinks one thing and this person thinks another thing. And that's so sad and that's so silly. You know, we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to, you know, have di- like we can have different ideas. That's okay. But we can deal with each other with mercy, grace, and love. And, you know, and people make mistakes. People do dumb things, right? All of us have. You know, like I said, if I asked everyone to raise their hand, everybody's hand would go up. And if your hand didn't go up, then you're lying to yourself. Because <laughs> the reality is, is we all have messed up and we've all done dumb things. And, you know, when people do things wrong in today's culture, you know, the world tells you to, you know, don't show them mercy, get on them, you know, make them suffer. You know, they did something wrong to you. They deserve to be humiliated and made fun of and ridiculed. But Jesus tells us the opposite. Jesus says to show these people mercy and to be give them grace, give them things that they don't deserve, Right? And so I want to take a second to talk about this word, right? This Greek word here, that uh, that mercy that we translate in English as mercy. This um, elemon, or elimemon, or however you say it. Sorry, my Greek is a little bit rusty, but my my etas and my epsilons, those Greek letters, they sound kind of similar. And so I'm not, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this word exactly right, but elemon, we'll call it that. Elemon basically is this word that we translate as mercy and so kind of this gloss definition of it is kind of like merciful feelings of pity you know with a focus of showing compassion to those in serious need that's kind of the idea of this Um, in one of my greek lexicons the authors the the scribes and the you know scholars who really study greek you know i'm just kind of like an amateur when it comes to greek but they also talk about this you know this word elimon that's that we translate as mercy kind of gives you the idea of being concerned about people in their need, right? Merciful, sympathetic, and it's showing the compassion of God. That's kind of the idea that this word shows. And so think about all the mercy and grace God has showed us, right? We denied God and we became sinners, right? And we sometimes still deny God and we sin whenever we know better. And it's like a slap to God in the face and telling him, you know, well, I want to do this my way real quick. You know, that's, that's, imagine having someone do that to you. That happens to God a lot whenever we sin. Basically, every time we sin, we're basically slapping God in the face and telling him, you know, God, you know, I'm going to do this my way. That's kind of the picture when we sin. That's what sin does. It's, it's, it takes us away from God, but yet God shows us mercy where he could absolutely, you know, just wipe us off the face of the earth if he wanted to. He chooses to love us and show us mercy. I think of, uh, I want to read Psalm 103. This is going to be a long reading, but I think it's important for us to read this. This is kind of an idea of how God deals with us. 
And so, you know, as we're reading this, you know, this is talking about how God deals with us, but we also have to think about how we as Christians show this type of mercy and grace and love to people in the world. So as I read this, I want you to think about how can you show this type of mercy and love in your life. So let's read Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord's The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers, who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Amen. I love the Psalms going through there and reading them. And so that psalm is all about praising God and how amazing he is because of how he deals with us, right? God doesn't deal with us in our iniquity uh, or a.k.a. sin, in our trespasses, our wrong things that we do, our sins and mistakes. God doesn't deal with us in that because if he wanted to deal with us in that, he would be very harsh to us because he is holy and doesn't deal with sin. However, his steadfast love The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God chooses to do that for us and shows us mercy. So how do we show steadfast love and mercy and grace to people? How do we do that? And I think really you just look at the life of Jesus. I think if you look at the life of Jesus and see how Jesus dealt with people. Jesus was kind. Jesus was loving. Jesus dealt with people with grace and mercy. And he dealt with all kinds of different people. I think about another passage I want to read real quick is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Um, Paul writes, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And were, by nature, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, 
being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up and raised up as with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages we might or he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so again, we see that salvation is a gift. That is grace. We were given salvation by grace. We are saved by grace because God just freely gives it. Through our faith, and through our faith, and our faith requires action, as we see in James. James tells us that faith without works is dead, right? And even even Paul is talking about it here, right? He says, um, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so you see that we have to have faith and action behind it. And so part of our action, part of the way we show our faith and our and the grace and the salvation that we have is by showing mercy to people. Right? James chapter 3 verse 17 says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. That's the wisdom from above. And so we have to remember that we need to be merciful. Fortunate are those who are fortunate are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy, right? That's what Jesus says. So real quick, I want to take a moment to talk about what mercy is not, though, right? We cannot give mercy when we are not authorized to give mercy. You know, uh, for example, you know, a teacher needs to correct exam papers, right? And provide students with the appropriate marks and discipline to show them what they, you know, did wrong, Correct. Similar to this, mercy does not avoid confrontation. However, we are still required to speak the truth in love, right? First Peter 3.15, you know, uh, talks about, right there, verses like 15 through 17, you know, Peter's talking about, you know, always be ready to give a defense or, or a reason for the hope that is in you, but do it with gentleness and respect, right? Mercy does not avoid confrontation but it still speaks with truth still speaks the truth in love right mercy does not condone dishonesty and indiscipline right there is a difference between forgiving and enabling irresponsible behavior right mercy requires that i see people's hurt and see people's mistake and respond with compassion right especially if the person mistreated me however that does not mean that we shouldn't point out and help people see the sin in their lives and help them, right? Jesus is always interested in what is going on in our hearts. He is not interested in our charity and our religious acts if it is not motivated by love. You know, as Christians, we live with holding all these different truths and tension and balance, right? We need to uphold justice, right? We need to make sure that justice is being carried out, and we need to make sure that we are not in sin and that we hold sin accountable, and yet we have to be merciful too. So how do you do this? Well, the basic answer is you get balance as you walk closer to Jesus and hear his words in your heart 
in these different situations, right? We need to be merciful to those in situations, especially, you know, um, especially whenever it would benefit us to be harsh to them and seek vengeance, we need to remember to be merciful, right? Being willing to let go of retribution is an act of mercy. And so Jesus, let's look at, again, I think the best way to think about how do we hold up justice and be merciful at the same time, you have to look at Jesus. You know, when Jesus dealt with people, he dealt with them mercifully and gracefully, right? He was kind to people. You know, you think of all these different situations like with uh, the woman at the well and even even the, the rich young ruler. You know, obviously, um, Jesus could have just come out and called out, you know, the rich the rich young ruler or the woman at the well. You know, he could have been to the woman at the well, you know, like, you know, you're, you've just been, you've just been marrying all these different dudes and doing all this different stuff. That's not right. That's not, that's not correct, right? Jesus could have done that. And with the rich young ruler, Jesus could have been like, you know, you know, you may be doing, you, you may be following some of these commands, but you're not truly following. You're not willing to give up everything for God, you know, and that's not true. You know, Jesus could have basically called people out where they were, but instead he, you know, he deals with them kindly and mercifully and kind of gently shows them their ways, right? And he kind of gracefully puts it out there for them to see it, right? For the rich young ruler, you know, he says, good, you know, he says, good, you've kept these things. You know, there's still one thing you need to do, though. He says, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. And, you know, Jesus didn't embarrass him and tell him that, you know, he was prideful or anything like that, you know, but Jesus just kind of gently showed the rich young ruler. And for the woman at the well, you know, he just kind of casually and, you know, carefully brings it up to her. And but yet still deals with her in mercy, right? And so you have to look at Jesus to understand that. So, yes, we need to show mercy in order to get mercy, right? You give and you get, right? You give and you get. <laughs> give and you shall receive. I've heard that my whole life. And so we need to make sure we give mercy and we show mercy to people. But yet at the same time, we need to remember that we also have to try to hold people accountable too. You know, like we can show mercy and not give people the consequences for their sin and mistakes that they deserve, like God does for us. But yet, God still points out the sin in our lives, right? The Holy Spirit helps point out the sin in our lives, right? We read the Bible and we see, you know, I shouldn't go, I shouldn't go out and get drunk and get out of my right state of mind, right? The Bible says it's a sin to be drunk. And so, when I go get drunk, you know, God doesn't, you know, if I go get drunk on one night with my friends, you know, because I got a little too carried away and I went too far, you know, God doesn't just condemn me. No, he deals with me in mercy. He shows me, you know, and he, with our conscience and the work of the Holy Spirit, he shows us that we're wrong gently and helps us get, you know, right, get right back with him, right, and redeem ourselves and get back with him, and we get forgiveness of our sins, and we move on, and we try to be better. Similarly, you know, if you're a parent and your kid, you catch your kid, you know, out with your friend, out with his friends, you know, drinking or doing things that they shouldn't do, you know, yes, you need to discipline him and make sure he he or she knows that's wrong. But yet, you need to show mercy and compassion on them too because God shows that to you and to us. And so that that dynamic is hard and that balance is hard because, you know, you have you need to be merciful to people, but yet you also have to point out the truth and love. And so it's a balance, but you know, we have the perfect model in Jesus and what looking at Jesus's life and how he did these things. 
And so we need to try our best to mirror that in our lives. And because if we give mercy and show mercy, we shall receive mercy. And so I want you to remember, do you guys remember a time where you felt the urge to fight back? And, or maybe to, you know, someone did something wrong to you and you had the urge, you know, you wanted to point out that they're a mistake and you wanted to embarrass them and make them feel bad. And maybe you did that. How would you do it differently now if you did? Would you do it differently now? Would you show mercy to these people? In what areas in your life or relationships in your life do you find it difficult to extend mercy? Why is that and how can you change that? Because God wants all of us to show mercy. And as we show mercy to people, help show people truth in love. You know, that's the idea of Christianity. You know, you know, people, part of the reason some people who are not Christians have such a bad view of Christians is because I feel like Christians aren't always the best at dealing with people in love whenever we should be. And, you know, yes, sometimes we make mistakes too, but we need to make sure that we deal with outsiders especially, people outside of Christ in love. Because if we don't, we are ambassadors for Christ. And if we're not representing Christ well and being merciful to people, why would anybody want to be a part of it? Right? It's our job to show people mercy and to show them love. And so as we're concluding this Thursday thought, right? Fortunate are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Right? Mercy is getting, you know, when you deserve bad consequences, but you don't get them. That's mercy. And we read Psalm 103, we read Ephesians 2, the first 10 verses, we looked at James 3, and obviously we read Matthew 5, 7. You know, when we think about mercy, mercy, we all received mercy from God. God doesn't deal with us in our sin, but his steadfast love and his mercy reigns forever. He removes our east. He he removes our east. He removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. You know, he he deals with us kindly. And so as Christians in the kingdom of heaven, we're supposed to have Christ-like qualities, right? Qualities that God displays. And so we need to try to show that to the world. But also qualities that God displays is pointing out wrong and right and teaching people the right way to do things. And so while we're being merciful and showing grace to people, we need to teach them the truth in love. Thank you guys for joining in a, joining on another episode of Thursday Thoughts. I hope this has been influential for you. I hope it benefits you, and I hope you all have a great day. Let's remember to show mercy because it's been shown to us. God bless. <laughs>